and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Good morning to the church of uncommon love. Is that who we are, Horizon Church? You know, if, wouldn't it be great if Paul wrote us a letter and he says, I address it to the church of uncommon love in Sutherland at Horizon. I've been to a lot of Vision Sundays. <laughs> I suspect you have too. There's some here have been to many, many Vision Sundays, well beyond the number I have. I've never been to a Vision Sunday like the one we had two weeks ago. That was transformational. And it was so exciting. And when Pastor Brad asked me to um, speak today, he said, I want you to talk about uncommon love, surprisingly. <laughs> and we had a bit of a chat about it. And I want to I do that today. But before I do that, I want to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your uncommon love to us. Thank you, Lord, for your grace that is amazing. Lord, this morning as we open your word, can you just come and visit us? Can you just reveal to us, Lord, in a, an even fresher and deeper way today just how much you love us and why and how, Lord, that can help us to show you to the world. Lord, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What makes uncommon love uncommon? We think a lot about what we deserve, what we're entitled to, what we've worked for. We also think a lot about in this world what others are entitled to and what they deserve. I saw a bit of that when I worked in politics, still do, but particularly as Prime Minister and in ministers' portfolios. The whole discussion is about what you deserve, what you're entitled to increasingly. We're obsessed with it. And some of those things can be good. Dignity, self-respect, acknowledgement, justice, freedom. These are good things. They're good things. But we spend so much of our time thinking about what we deserve. It's said that C.S. Lewis once went into the great English writer. He turned up at a conference or something. It's in Philip Yancey's book. And there's all these scholars, wise people from apparently different religions as well. And they were asking the question, what makes the Christian faith unique and different to every single other religion that's in the world? And you could imagine this was a long conversation. They all had lots of very informed and elaborate opinions on the topic. But C.S. Lewis comes in and he says, oh, that's easy. 
I can answer that straight away. And it's the same answer that God himself gave. If you go to the last verse of the last book of the Bible, you will find the answer. In Revelations, and it's the last, last chapter, and verse 21, it says, The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. Now, if you were thinking about what is the last thing I have to tell people in this book called the Bible that's going to guide people's belief and faith for millennia, and you had to think, what's the one thing I want them to understand so they can go and have relationship with me and live in this world that they're going to live? What's the one thing I've got to tell them? I've spent 66 books telling them all sorts of stuff. Now I've just got one verse left. And he says, through John, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. We agree. That's what that means. The apostles said the same thing. You go through grace and peace be with you. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The apostles constantly telling the church, grace, grace, grace be with you. The answer that C.S. Lewis gave was grace. Faith in Jesus Christ is the only thing that I know of, the only religion I know of, faith that I know of, where God actually gives you what you don't deserve. And that is the heart of grace. Grace means unmerited favour. Unmerited favour. Grace means giving us what we didn't deserve. So we can do the same for everyone else. That is called uncommon love. Grace is the key to understanding God's world and living as God would have us to live and to show that uncommon love to others. So I want us to spend just a bit of time this morning. First of all, if you want to understand what is uncommon about uncommon love, you've got to, you've got to get grace in your head and you've got to understand what it's about. That's where uncommon love begins is when we understand the grace of God towards us. And we have been lavished with the grace of God. If you go to Ephesians, and some verses are going to come up today, others won't because I'll just be moving through them quickly. But in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, it says, By grace you have been saved. You may have heard this verse. So that he might show us the boundless riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. And it says to do that over the ages. Instead of giving us what we deserved, God gave us what we desperately needed. And what was that? I love the book of Romans. I want to turn to the book of Romans now in chapter 5. I want to pull out two verses, two sections of verses. The first one is this. What is this that God has given us through grace? We read 
in verses 1 and 2, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through whom we have also obtained our introduction by faith into this grace, this is what I want to focus on, this grace in which we stand. So what is that? The peace of God and the grace in which we stand. The peace, what does peace mean? It means there's no war. That you can live in security and you can live in stability and you can live in fellowship with one another. It's just not the absence of war. It is all of these other things combined. The war between God and us is over. Relationship is restored. Separation, over. When Jesus was crucified, the temple veil was torn from the top to the bottom. Someone didn't creep in there and grab it at the bottom and go like this. No, it was from the top to the bottom. And the reason for that is because God was saying, there's no barrier here anymore. There's no barrier. And this grace in which we stand, and notice what it says, in which we stand. Confidently we can stand because we are forgiven. We are redeemed. We are heirs, we read in the Bible. None of these things that we deserve. None of it achieved through any effort of our own. And it says so that we celebrate in the hope of glory of God. It just, this isn't just a thing that's happened and passed and we go, woo, go to heaven, cool. There's a celebration going on. We're in that celebration before in worship and praise. And there's a celebration in expectation of the things to come both here and into eternity. Grace is pretty amazing. Someone should write a song about that. Why did he do this? Let's turn to verse 6. For why we were still helpless. Nothing we could do to earn this, to be able to stand in that grace and to be in that position and restored relationship with God and be heirs in eternity. Nothing we could do. We were helpless. I love this bit. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. He showed up. Go through your Bible and look up all the bits where it says, but God. I've had a few but gods. We've all had a few but God. But God showed up. But God taught me this. But God took me through this. But God blessed us this way. But God... Circumstances running this way, what's coming the other way? Like a torrent, but God, but God, but God, it says, at the right time, died for the ungodly, which is all of us, no exceptions. And for one will hardly die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. What sort of love? His uncommon love. His merciful love. His amazing love. 
his eternal love, his unconditional love, in that while we were still sinners, still, just think about that, deserving of nothing, Christ died for us. What else can you say to that than hallelujah? He did this because God is grace. God is just not graceful. That's who he is. That's his very essence. In John chapter 1 and verse 14, when we read about the word becoming flesh, speaking of God and Jesus being the same thing and coming here, this is what it says. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that is Jesus, and we saw his glory, glory is of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. He's shocked to the brim with grace. Every essence of him is grace. And you know, think about when you think about, we're referring to Revelations before, and you think about the throne of God. The throne of God. What's in your mind when you think about the throne of God? Train filling the temple, all sorts of weird creatures with wings and stuff coming out of them singing and the seas of glass and You know what it says in Hebrews 4 and 16? It says, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace for help at the time of our need. The throne sits at the centre of the palace. The throne is where the authority of the kingdom is exercised and expressed. This is the seat of godly government. And it's referred to as the throne of grace. That is where God's greatness comes from, his grace. And the thing about grace is, And God's grace is it completely turns upside down all the rules and the principles of this world. It does. I love the Sermon on the Mount because, and I love Matthew's Gospel because what Jesus is doing there is he's trying to explain the place he has come from. The kingdom of God. He's saying, look, I really want you to understand what this place is like and and how we all deal with each other up there and and how it works. And I can imagine how frustrated he would have been. It would have been those times when he was tempted like all of us, but without sin. And he's trying to explain it to them. There's all these people sitting on the hills and he's saying stuff which is just blowing their minds because he wanted to share. He said, this is what my kingdom's like. It's not like what you know here. It's completely different. And I want this kingdom to come and I want you to live as if you were in that kingdom because that's where you're a citizen of heaven. 
I want you to understand it. And he says in the Sermon on the Mount, and I like Luke's version of this. He says, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. And if you love those only who love you, what credit is that? What's up with that? He would have said. For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, well, good for you. <laughs> but what good's that? For even sinners do the same. Now, this is the morning service, so I can make references to the 90s. <laughs> Jackson, you'll catch on. I'll explain it a little later. <laughs> I love watching Seinfeld. Are there any, anyone else want to confess this morning? Okay. But I love the thing called the Costanza Principle, <laughs> where George, the character, comes to the point in his life that he works out that every single decision he's ever made and every, every instinct that he's ever had was completely wrong. And that the key to success in life was to do the exact opposite of what he'd ever thought. Kingdom of God's a bit like that. It's a bit like that. So we are lavished with grace. That's nice for us. But so what? Because God's gift of grace for us is not just for us. He wants us to share it. I want to talk about the parable of the unforgiving servant. Now, it's going to come up on the screen. I'm not going to read it all the way through. And I'm stopping it short because I thought Brad said something really important last week when he said, we are motivated to love not out of some fear of judgment. That if you don't do the right thing, you know. That doesn't sit with the throne of grace. And we read in there and Jesus says, for this reason, and he's talking about the need to forgive. He said, the kingdom of heaven is what it's like in, in my world, he says, is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his slaves. And then he talks about there was a particular slave who owed him, and it says, I think, in the message translation, hundreds of thousands of dollars, which he could not pay, could never have paid, could never have earned, could never have got himself there. So he didn't have the means. And so the master says, well, you know, I'll take what I can get. Sell everything you got and I'll take all of that. I'll take, you know, 10 cents in the dollar. So the slave fell to the ground and lay on his face before the king and said, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the master says, Having compassion, he released him and forgave him the debt. He knew he couldn't afford it. He could have worked from then till eternity. This wasn't getting paid off, ever. We don't get to bargain with God on the terms of his forgiveness. Oh, look, oh, look. I need help with about the last 80%, Lord, of my salvation. I can cover the first 20. I've been pretty reasonable. I try and do the right thing. 
but I need you to cover the 80. Nah, nah, he said. Yeah, nah, is what he says. (laughs) I'm in the 100% forgiveness business, God says, because I'm in the 100% grace business. I'm in the 100% love business. And he says, I forgive you that debt. But what what did the slave do? What did the servant do? This would have broken God's heart. The other slaves, he, he had found someone else that owed him something. And so he goes off and he grabs him and he says, pay back what you owe me. So the other servants around, slaves around, heard about this and they thought this was pretty off. And so they raised it with the king. The one he went to and asked him to pay made the same plea to him that he had made to the king. And he said, give me some patience and I'll get there. And then when it came to the attention of the king, the king summoned him and he said to him, you wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And this is the kicker. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? I've just spoken of the amazing, incredible grace that God has imparted on us. And God is saying to us, it's not just for you. It's not just for you. It's supposed to transform and change you, unrecognizably so. And so that out of that, you may go and share exactly what I have modelled to you with the world. How many times do you think God, thankfully he looks through his lens of love and grace, just says, guys, why haven't you done to others as I have freely done to you. Good news is, as it says in Ephesians chapter 2 and first 8, by grace we have been saved through faith. And, and that is the gift of God. God's grace is a gift to us. And God knows that living a life of uncommon love, that living a life of grace is not something that we can do in our own mortal fallen selves. That is, we are just no longer wired for that type of life. And so God has given us this gift of grace so that we can do the things that he created us. Get that bit? He created us to do. It says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8, for he, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So he's seen what you can do. He's seen the acts of uncommon love that he knows will happen in our community through this church and through the church around the world. And he has seen it and he created us for that. And more than that, he says it's a responsibility. In 1 Peter 4.10, he says, as each one of you have received a gift, Put it to work, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. This this grace 
It's a gift. You hold it. And stewardship means to be responsible for it, to exercise it wisely. That is not just our response of the, as someone who loves Jesus and has put our faith in him and has been redeemed because of that. It is our responsibility. Not out of some sense of obligation under fear or judgment, but under God's grace. Under God's grace. Now, he just doesn't sort of leave us to get on with this. He equips us and he empowers us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace overflow to you, so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. There are times where we need more grace. We do. In our relations with one another, frankly, in our relationship with ourself sometimes, we need more of God's grace to help us through those challenges. You know, uh, my Deputy Prime Minister, Michael McCormack, he's a dear friend, and he used to say to me, We'd be sitting in the cabinet room, or the, the, the bunker type room, and when we're doing particularly things around the pandemic and we had to make some pretty tough decisions, and he'd turn to me and say, well, mate, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. <laughs> if uncommon love was easy, everybody would be doing it. It needs something extra to help us and enable us to do that. And that is called the grace of God. And God says to us through Paul, His grace will overflow to you. And it'll happen at particular times. In 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, it says, this was Jesus talking to Paul. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. You've got all you need in God and his grace to fulfill what he wants to work through you to bless and love others. Your tank in the car, it's full. And the thing about it is every time you might feel it comes down, it's, it just, you don't have to go to, it just keeps filling up. It just keeps overflowing. It's overflowing. It's like it's pouring out of the side of the car. Not terribly safe, but it, it, it overflows. Now, Jenny and I and the girls had the privilege to meet many amazing people when we served, when I served as Prime Minister. But I tell you, there's one family that blew us away when it comes to amazing grace and unnatural not just uncommon love, it's unnatural love. The sort I've never seen, and I don't, I don't believe, I, I pray I might, but I don't think I've ever seen a greater witness for Christ than what I saw in this family. It was amazing, and it is amazing. You know that Harry Met Sally movie, I'll have what she's having. <laughs> this 
she understood and the whole family understands grace and the love of God. I'm getting a bit emotional about this. They become very good friends. On the 1st of February 2020, there were four beautiful young children who were run over by a drunk driver who was three times the alcohol limit in Oatlands. Their names were Anthony, Angelina, Sienna and Veronique. And you can imagine how you would have felt if you were one of the parents of those children. We know those parents, Layla and Danny and Bridget and Bob and Craig. And Danny's a a kickboxer. He's a tough little nugget. Um, And I suspect it would have flashed through his mind about putting some of those kickboxing skills to work. But that's not what happened. Layla goes down to the site of where her children were taken from her in this unthinkable act of madness. And she forgives him. She didn't say the justice system in Australia should not apply. That's that's of this world. What she was talking about, what was going on in her heart, as someone who loves God and knows what the grace of God meant for her, she forgives him and does so. On, you know, in these scenes, journalists there putting microphones. She is still in disbelief. But her reaction was, I forgive him. People know we know Danny and Layla and and, and Bridget and Craig and Bob and uh, they asked me, "How, how could they do this? Well, they would be the first to tell you that it's because of the grace of God in their own lives. At that moment, grace overflowed to them, overwhelmed them and comforted them at a time and they could forgive and they have. That's what happens when his kingdom comes, when his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what happens. That's what it looks like. Uncommon love expressed at a time like that, that's what it looks like. It looks like Layla Abdullah and Danny Abdullah and Bridget and Craig and Bob. You know, God's grace is the lens through which we have to see the world if we want to be a church that's about uncommon love. The sheep and the goats talks about them in Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 to 41. My brother, who was a great witness to me and brought me up in things of God, he used to love listening to Keith Green and he used to play it. Again, it's the, it's the, it's the morning service. <laughs> it's the morning service. Keith Green, great. Yeah, anyway. And he, uh, and it's great songs, but he, he had one where he just tells the story of the sheep and the goats. And I was driving down to Canberra last Sunday night and, you know, I searched for it and I played it. And it made me think of what I was going to say today. 
when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Remember what the throne is, throne of grace. And all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them from one another, just as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep on his right and he'll put the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous are standing there and they look at me and go, they go, what? As it says in the Keith Green songs, yeah, we did lots of all of those things, but I don't remember seeing you there. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer them and say, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it for the one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did it for me. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of it because I want us to focus on why we're going to do this. And we're going to do this Horizon Church because the difference between the sheep and the goats was not just what they did. It's because of what they saw and how they saw what was in front of them and around them. They saw things differently, the sheep and the goats. The goats were running around talking about what they deserved, what they were entitled to how they saw their role in the world and what their fair share was and what they should do for what just they were responsible for, for their bit. And that's how the world works. But we're citizens of another place and we're called to see the world differently. If we wanna love with uncommon love, we must lift the scales from our eyes. I always love that story of Paul. He puts scales on his eyes and he comes into town and they remove the scales of his eyes and he can see. These scales that we have on our eyes from living here blind us and we need to take them off and we need to put on the lens of grace. And then you start seeing everything really, really different. What are those scales? It's arrogance, it's pride, it's indifference. It can just be comfort and convenience. It can be the cost. It can just be afraid, a bit nervous. 
could be angry. They don't deserve that after what they did to me. We feel we're pretty self-righteous. We can be selfish. We can feel indignant. Everything that prevents you from seeing your situation, the situation in front of you from the way God sees it, that's got to come off. If we want to really be a church that understands uncommon love and we've got to put on the lens of grace, God, give us the lens of grace. Put it on. We want to see things as you see them. Let us see, Lord. Let us see so that we might act. And Lord, we repent of the times and times and times when we did not see, when we saw not what you saw and we did not what you would do. I love when you read about Jesus and Mary Magdalene. Jesus saw her like he saw Zacchaeus up in that tree. He saw them. You know, when God gets a good look at you, it penetrates. It, it, it goes right through you. There's no secrets with God. There's none. And he sees you and he sees you. And if you're here today, I want you to know that he sees you today. He sees you and he understands. And it's not because we deserve it or you deserve it. We don't. But you can have access to that same grace which God has blessed so many of us here with. A grace that wants to motivate us, not just to come along here and go whoopee, we're going to heaven, God saved us. But because we want to live out that life of grace and live out that life of faith. And God wants you to be part of it. God wants to shower you with grace to those very parts of your soul that are hidden, you think, from everyone. And He just wants to come in with His grace and lavish you. If that's you today, let's bow our heads. If that's you, I've got my eyes shut, but there are others here who don't. Just shoot up your hand and say, I want what He's giving. I want access to that grace that He demonstrated on the cross. I want a but God in my life to transform me to restore me, to heal me, to bring me back into a relationship with God that I never thought was possible. But yet through God's grace is. If that's you, just shoot up your hand and say, I want that. I need the grace of God in my life. I'll just give it a few more moments.
someone will come and they'll pray with you. Amen. I didn't grow up in the ACC churches. I grew up in a Presbyterian church. And uh, one of the things I used to like about is I used to love the benediction. I was thinking about that this morning. What possible benediction, what possible last word could I leave with you this morning than the last word that God himself left with us? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.